1: The outbreak at the ironically named tender care nursing home is continuing unabating and they're unabated and there's a growing chorus of demands to call in the military. One hundred and twenty one of the two hundred and fifty four residents have the virus. At least twenty four have died. Fifty staffers are also sick. So why not bring in the troops? The Prime Minister says the ball is not in his court. Deployments of the Canadian Armed Forces or of the Red Cross is always done at the request of uh, the provinces in question. Uh, We have worked extremely closely uh, with the provincial health authorities, with uh, public health, uh, and uh, with everyone right across the country. uh, Continually offered our support, offered whatever resources are necessary. Well, long-term care minister Marilee Fullerton seems to think she has things under control. In a statement, she said the Scarborough Health Network, the local public health unit, the local health integration network and, quote, others have been assisting the home since December 14th. Quote, We've brought in our partners from across the health sector, and are confident that they will help stabilize the home and return it to normal operations. North York General Hospital says it is in the midst of negotiating a voluntary agreement to temporarily take over management of the home. Is that good enough? Is this happening fast enough? Uh, let me give you the numbers: four one six three six zero. Zero seven forty toll-free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. And now I would like to bring in Dr. Amit Arya, who is a palliative care physician and a board member of the Canadian Palliative Care Physicians and Ontario Health Coalition, as well as Jane Meetus, staff lawyer and institutional advocate at the Advocacy Center for the Elderly. Hello and welcome. Good afternoon. Good Good afternoon. Uh, Dr. Arya, do we need to bring in the military?
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We need to get all hands on deck at this time. This is an emergency, and this is something where literally hours matter. I mean, firstly, that's the nature of the virus, where... I mean, clinically in hours, people's health condition can change. And I've seen this happen with my own eyes as a palliative care physician who's worked in uh, um, outbreak homes with uh, many, many residents infected that, you know, you see them at one point in time and hours later, they can be short of breath. Their oxygen level can be dropping. They can stop eating or drinking and you need to monitor their hydration status and they might be delirious. So with a staffing shortage and with uh, staff being infected, as commonly happens in outbreak homes, I mean, we don't need less care in this home at this time. We need much more care than than the home can provide. So they need to do everything they can, including calling in the military to protect the lives and well-being of the people who live in this home. Action needs to start today.
1: Okay, well, you know what? Action needed to start a while ago, and and, uh, some of the things that are coming out are are truly shocking. An inspector actually went in there a week ago and uh, issued a bunch of orders about things that were non-compliant. We haven't heard anything about that. And uh, this management agreement, I mean, I don't know how long it's taking or why it's taking that long. I don't think it's on the end of North York General. There was an urgent call put out in a chat room for doctors, and and some very brave and very dedicated doctors responded. And what they said was that there was no oxygen on site to give to the residents who needed it, uh, and that the staff that were there were so crunched that that they didn't process the requests. I mean, Jane, I mean, this to me, this is, it's just, it's beyond the pale. Well, absolutely. And I think, you know, I mean, you
3: know, one of the things with management of hospitals coming in is you wonder, you know, are they, you know, taking from Peter to pay Paul? So are they, you know, um, you know, we know that the hospitals are also getting into crunches, you know, at this time of the year, and that's always a concern. So bringing in outside help is, of course, Really important, but of course, whether it's the Red Cross or the armed forces, they're actually not trained personal support workers. There's very few of them that would be trained personal support workers, so they're not necessarily trained to do some of the work. And I think one of the things that we see, and I know that Amit would would agree, is that in long term care, they don't. You know, they're talking about not having oxygen. The doctor was talking about not having oxygen access to certain medications. Those things aren't necessarily. Um, supposed to be available like that in long-term care. Um, some of them are, some of them are, but you know, doctors who don't work in long-term care may not understand what the limitations are. And the problem is that they're not sending um, people to hospital because there's a real push not to send the elderly to hospital if they're ill. Um, and so they're not getting access to proper care. But I think there's a real issue here. It sounds like the doctors were ill. It sounds like the, the administration was ill. Um, I've read the report. Um, there was a very poor um, uh, um, infection control protocols. They didn't have proper materials. They weren't following the protocols. Um, I mean, it sounds like this place, you know, we're into December now and they don't know how to follow these rules. I mean, it's, it's ludicrous. And this is, Again, this is a home. It's not owned by Extendicare, but it's run by Extendicare.
1: One so of what the worst. Going
3: on? This, is, this is this is this is disgraceful. And what comes out of that report is one compliance order.
1: You know what? Okay. And it's 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 one of the worst offenders. It's Extendicare, and mm-hmm. we know. Okay, it's an older home, and uh, there are limitations with the physical setup there. But really all this time in, and they don't know how to deal with PPE, with I don't know how many levels of government telling us that PPE is sorted out, everybody has the PPE they need. Come on. And and in terms of the minister, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm going on a rant here. I apologize. I do not understand how A self-respecting doctor can, well, she seems to be hiding now, can keep saying that everything that can be done is being done. And if you have failed, instead of letting people die, call in the military. I mean, it's just, (laughs) Dr. Arya, I mean, am, am I missing something?
2: No, you're not. I think we all feel the same way and are, I mean, it's just heartbreaking to see what's happening, um, you know, in these homes. I mean, speaking about infection control, I mean, we've been hearing over the last few weeks through the Ontario Health Coalition, uh, you know, through which I'm a board member and Jane is also actively involved in, in the long-term care committee, I mean, that there's shortages of gowns and gloves and disinfectant wipes in sort of more than a dozen homes. So we're hearing this from staff. And it really shows us the lack of transparency and accountability in the long-term care sector where i mean we don't have oversight and when sort of somebody is finally intervening and stepping in it's far too late
1: is it far too late
2: well i mean i mean i mean that's a tricky question i I thank you for asking you know me, me that i would say it's never too late but obviously i mean what what really should go along with this is how I mean, how little our government has really done, uh, given that, as you mentioned, Libby, we're well into a second wave. We're like nine or ten months into a pandemic. We know this virus now and we know the reasons it actually spreads in long-term care. We know that these deaths are actually preventable at this point in time. And so much more could have been done, um, you know, with respect to, you know, stopping this from happening. And in my opinion, I think that starts by addressing the staffing crisis. We know that staffing levels are crumbling across many long-term care homes um, in the province. And we still have agency staff that are moving from home to home, which obviously would increase the spread of the virus. And that's absolutely shocking. I mean, that shouldn't be allowed. And and as you mentioned, we need oversight and we need somebody on the ground there monitoring everything to do with infection control and basic care. Uh,
1: you know... Jane pointed out that the hospitals are facing a crunch, too. And I had a very interesting conversation earlier this week with Kevin Smith, who's the CEO of the University Health Network. And he made a very good point, is that hospitals are winding down a little bit, as they normally do over the Christmas period. And this is critical because the staff there are burnt out out. We're expecting a horrific January. And I mean, we need to give people a little break. I mean, yes, yeah, I mean, that's, that's true.
3: Um, you know, and the problem is, is that we don't have the backfill um, to allow people to have breaks. So, you know, hospitals are allowing people to have breaks. They are, you know, they, they have a better um, staffing structure, they pay people better so they have better access, and they've had much far less uh, outbreaks um, because their uh, infection protocols um, are miles ahead of what goes on in long-term care. And of course the problem with long-term care is people aren't getting breaks. People, I mean you're reading about people who are working far beyond what they can because there is no other option if they aren't there you're going to end up with places like, you know, we heard in Montreal where, you know, there was just no staff left. Um, And this is the problem. Um, There is no staff to backfill. There is no one available. And so, you know, how are we going to support these people over the Christmas holidays? They're not going home. Um, You know, the staff in those, in those facilities are, are are just, they're also burning out and they have nothing to back them up.
1: Well, uh, yeah, uh, it's it's a very, very difficult situation. And, you know, I guess the summer was the time when we should have been staffing up with making it more attractive, paying for people's training like they did mm-hmm. in Quebec. Uh Dr. Arya, I mean, what do you see over the Christmas holidays, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, they need to, uh, I'll say it again, I mean, this starts by addressing the staffing crisis, in my opinion. I mean, PSWs are reporting a 30% shortage compared to before the pandemic. And what that really means, and this is really a great part of the tragedy, of course it increases the risk of spread of the virus, but it also dramatically increases the risk of abandonment and neglect of these vulnerable seniors, many of whom have dementia and cannot speak up for themselves. It increases the risk that people would die of dehydration and hunger, which is absolutely um, atrocious. So we we need to definitely make sure that we address the staffing crisis. There needs to be a massive recruitment effort uh, from the government with a timeline that gets as many trained staff as possible into these long-term care homes as soon as possible.
1: Well, I mean, they've announced uh, they're hiring thirty-seven thousand, but over five years. I mean, is it, Jane? Is it too late to try to staff up now?
3: Well, again, I think, as I said, there's, it's never too late. We know we have to staff up. Um, I mean, we can't just say, well, you know, we'll just have to let it go. We need people there. We need boots on the ground now. Um, if that means calling in the military or something, then that's what they have to do. Um, you know, they can certainly do certain jobs in long-term care homes and then let the, let the trained staff do other things. Um, you know, there's situations in long-term care right now that are horrendous. And... You know, we're going to see a huge number of deaths over the holidays. And um, it's right? Um, you know, we're seeing people dying of, of neglect. Um, you know, this whole locking people in for months and months at a time, that also has a mental uh, toll on people. And, um, that causes people to die as well, just through just absolute depression and, um, isolation. Um, and people aren't getting fed. Um, the food is terrible. The I mean, I, there's one home that I get complaints regularly about where they're on a one-week cycle, and the meals are entirely starch. You know, you have potato and macaroni and something else. It's just
1: awful. And, and this you know, is allowed to stand. To- Pardon? If that's allowed. Well, who's checking up? You know, the ministry's
3: not checking up on this. I've made complaints, and I've heard nothing. Um, and so you know it's not a it's not seen as you know things like that aren't seen as serious um, you know even without the pandemic the death toll in long-term care housing know, if you take out all the covid patients who died you still have a higher death um, because of malnutrition um you know uh, being dehydrated um, and frankly just through neglect and and people just wasting away with no contact with people and stuff
1: it's we have to get this in control, and this government is just not doing it. Wow. um We're basically out of time. Uh, Dr. Amit Arya, what would you like to leave us with?
2: Yeah, I mean, I really, I mean, I, I, I would definitely echo Jane's thoughts. And I would really say that what what's happening in our long-term care homes is absolutely heartbreaking. I mean, it's a, it's, it, it, it's a tragedy that shouldn't have happened and was absolutely preventable. I mean, what I dream of, uh, to be honest, in our long-term care homes is not just a, sort of a time where we're having to battle for seniors' basic care needs to be met. And proper medical monitoring, meaning that, you know, we're making sure that they're based on time and regularly, they're fed enough and they're hydrated, but rather that we have enough staff in our long-term care homes so that, you know, our seniors are given a good quality of life. They're given emotional and psychosocial support and hope and joy. I mean, wouldn't that be how we how we would want to live the, our last months and our last years? So, I mean, really, this is the time that I'm still calling upon the government and all health authorities and everyone to really make sure that we fix this problem, and it needs to be done not tomorrow, but today. It's an absolute emergency, and I hope the government will listen.
1: Okay. Um, It seems weird to wish you a Merry Christmas after those very dire... predictions and information, but I will do so nonetheless, and I really appreciate your time and your input uh, today and on other days as well. Jane Medes of the Advocacy Center for the Elderly and Dr. Amit Arya, thank you so much.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.